This morning, I want to look maybe specifically at individuals that you run into on a day-to-day basis. This morning, I want to look at a few places that each of us spend um, probably way too much of our time every week. And this morning, we're going to see that we can love our neighbors on an ordinary day by creating space for them. We can love our neighbors on an ordinary day by creating space for them. And we know that we don't just love our neighbors by um, inviting them to church. That's one great way to do it. But God has called us, Christ has called us to go out, to go out. And love of neighbor is not just an appointment on our calendar. It's something that we do each and every day. It's, It's a way that we live. It's a style of life. Because the fact of the matter is, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, then Christ goes with you wherever you go, right? Christ goes with you into the everyday stuff of life. He goes with us into the ordinary days. And so Christ goes with us and we live on mission with him wherever we find ourselves. And today we're going to look at what it means to love our neighbor on the ordinary days, by creating space for others where we work, where we learn, and where we play. These are the three contexts that I want to focus on this morning. What does it look like to love your neighbor at your job, at your school, and in the places that you find yourself in the community? We're going to see this in a moment of Jesus' life in Luke 19. And you can join me in Luke 19, if you would like, we're going to be reading through the passage of uh, the story of Zacchaeus here in a moment. But when we talk about creating space, when I talk about creating space, the biblical or maybe the social term that maybe comes to mind is hospitality. Is hospitality. And we think about hospitality in, in a few different ways, and I wonder what comes to your mind when you think of hospitality. Um, but uh, a few years ago, this is what comes to mind when I think about creating space or I think about hospitality in my own life. Uh, a few years ago, I went with my brother-in-law to pick up a, uh, an upright freezer. Found it on Facebook Marketplace, killer deal, brother-in-law of the year said, yeah, I'll do that for you. So we get the truck and we go and we're driving and we get to this house and it's a nice house, um, you know, smaller house very clean, and I remember walking into this house and opening the door, and my anxiety levels like getting to here, because I remember walking in the door, and there was just stuff everywhere, just stuff everywhere. Wasn't a dirty house, right? She just had all of the stuff in Porter County in her house. Like, it was (laughs) packed, and you're walking through, and you're like, how do you, you're like picking your way through the kitchen, and I remember the, the front door, like you couldn't even use the front door because there was stuff, so you had to like go around and you had to use the side door. But this is the picture that comes to mind when I think about creating space and hospitality in my, my, in my life. I remember walking into the living room, and I remember looking around the living room, and it was like immaculate. There was just a bunch of stuff, and there was a couch, and there were two chairs, and on the couch and two chairs were just piles of, of boxes and stuff and things. And I remember thinking, like, what's the point of the couch? Like, why the couch? Just get rid of the couch and you have more space for boxes, right? This, this area in your house that was meant to bring people into, 
right? This area of your house that was meant to be the center of hospitality, you couldn't even put people in it. And I think about that in my own life, right? How much stuff do I just have piled into my own life? Do I have space for other people in my life, or is it so packed in that I'm like a living room with boxes on the chairs? Nobody can get in, right? This is what we're going to look at this morning. How do we create space on the ordinary day where we work, where we learn, and where we play? And this morning, we're going to see uh, how Jesus created space on his ordinary days when he met a man named Zacchaeus in the city of Jericho. So you can join me in Luke 19, verses 1 to 10, and we're going to read through the story of Jericho. Unless you want to sing the song. We could also sing the song. <laughs> yes? <laughs> Luke 19, verse 1. It says, as Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to, in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, Salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus interacting with this man is named Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus' life is forever changed. And what we're going to see from this passage today is four ways that Jesus created space for others in his own life. Four ways that Jesus loved his neighbor by creating space for them. We're going to see four ways that Jesus creates space for others. So the first thing that we find in this story is that Jesus created space on an ordinary day. Jesus created space on an ordinary day. We know that during his earthly ministry, Jesus traveled all over the, the nation of Israel, the land of Israel. He was teaching, he was healing he was ushering in the kingdom of God, and he was telling people how they could be a part of this kingdom. And we get this kind of, of ordinary day description of Jesus all the time in, in the New Testament. Like here in, in Luke 19, it says, he entered Jericho and was passing through. Like, he got to the city, he was passing through, it was a rest stop on I-65, he was just going through. You can maybe think of, um, think of John 4 and the woman at the well, Right? As his disciples were coming in, it says, as he sat by the well. And then we get this story of the woman at the well. As Jesus was going on and living his day-to-day, -day, his normal life, he was intentionally on mission. Right? There is no dichotomy in Jesus' life where Jesus is like over here, sometimes the Son of Man on mission, ushering in the kingdom of God. And then over here, other times, he's just, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter. All of his life, he was intentionally living on mission. He created space in the ordinary day. And this is important for us because, I don't know if you knew this, 
but most of our life is the ordinary day, right? Most of our life is the ordinary day. And I think, I know myself, I think we can get this like angsty, anxious feeling as we're scrolling through Instagram and Facebook and we're seeing everybody seemingly living extraordinary days all the time. They're like, how do they afford this, right? How are you doing this? And we get this feeling like I'm missing out or, or my days are just ordinary. And when that kind of mentality transfers into the life that we're living for the person of Jesus, we're missing out of opportunities to live on mission because we're waiting for the extraordinary day, right? I don't want to create space. I'm going I'm to wait for the future. I'm going to wait for that special day, that extraordinary day where I can create space. I'm going to wait for that extraordinary day when I can be hospitable. One of my favorite things to do uh, as a youth pastor is talk to students as they're coming up on break, especially the longer breaks. So you think about like a winter break, Christmas break, think about a summer break, and I ask them leading up to them, like, are you looking forward to your break? And they're like, yes, right? So done with school, so excited to, to have a break. And I follow that up maybe like three or four days into the break, and I ask them, say, hey, how's break going? Are you bored yet? And invariably, they're like, yes, I'm so bored, <laughs> right? I want to go back to school, right? They, they like hyped this thing up in their mind, this extraordinary day in the future, and when they got to it, they realized that it wasn't all that they thought it was cracked up to be. And we do this to ourselves, right? We push off and we postpone and we think, I'm going to do that in the future. I'm going to be hospitable in the future. I'm going to create space for others in the future. And we never get to it. We never get to it. God has given us today to be intentional with. What are we doing with it, right? We have 40 plus hours each week at work and at school, and God calls us to create space for others on the ordinary day in the things that we are already doing. And so Jesus creates space for others on the ordinary day. The story goes on to show the second way that Jesus created space in his life for others. We read in verse 2 and following. It says, There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. And so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. The second thing we find about creating space is that Jesus created space by welcoming a stranger. Jesus created space by welcoming a stranger, right? Jesus did not know Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus had only ever heard about this person of Jesus. They didn't know each other, right? They didn't play pickleball on Tuesdays. They didn't uh, play pickup soccer on Thursday nights. They didn't know each other from, from Adam. You, with your coworkers and your friends and the people around you, you are already leaps and bounds relationally ahead of where Jesus and Zacchaeus were. And, and we're going to look at um, some practical ways maybe to engage those that we work with a little bit later. But right now I want to look at what Jesus teaches us about welcoming strangers or about being welcoming to people in general. The first thing is this, is that Jesus saw Zacchaeus and was intentional to engage him. 
Jesus saw Zacchaeus and was intentional to engage him. We don't know um, how many people were in the city of Jericho at this time. We don't know how many people came to see Jesus as they heard he was coming through, but we know it was enough to, to block sight lines for Zacchaeus. And so there was a crowd, right? There was a crowd in the middle of this city. And Jesus could have stepped into the city, seen the crowd of people that, that came to welcome him, and he could have taught Right then and there, he could have taught about the kingdom of God, he could have taught about repentance, he could have, could have taught about the person of God and said, you know, and follow me as I follow him. That's something that Jesus did before in his teachings. He could have done that in Jericho, right? But he didn't. He walks through the town, and instead of focusing on the crowd, he is intentional about singling out an individual. He's intentional about singling out an individual. In that moment, Zacchaeus was more important to Jesus than the crowd was. Jesus was intentional to see Zacchaeus the man, to see Zacchaeus the person, the, the individual. I want to ask you, do you see the people that you work with? Do you see the people that you work with? Do you see them as individuals who are made in the image of God? Or are they just secondary characters in the story of your life? Are you intentional to see the people that you go to school with, your peers, the students that are around you, do you see them as made in the image of God? Or are they just secondary in your life? Jesus was intentional to see the individual. Are we? Jesus sees him. And then Jesus speaks to him, right? He welcomes him, which is surprising. Why? Because it says that Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector and he was rich. The second thing that we learn from Jesus about welcoming people is that we are called to engage everybody. We are called to engage everybody because Zacchaeus was not popular in the city of Jericho. You see uh, the people here in verse 7, when they saw it, they grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Jesus enters into the life of somebody who is socially detrimental to him, right? Jesus isn't concerned about what other people think when he's engaging Zacchaeus. He knows that people don't like Zacchaeus. And the only thing that Jesus is gaining by entering into Zacchaeus' life is Zacchaeus himself, right? He's not gaining anything socially. He's not gaining anything financially from going into Zacchaeus' life. He's just interested in the person. He's just interested in Zacchaeus himself. Jesus, Jesus created space by welcoming a stranger. He saw him and he engaged with him, no matter the cost. The next thing we see in this story is that Jesus created space by being a guest. Jesus created space by being a guest. And I think often when we hear the word hospitality, or when we think about hospitality or creating space, we think about hosting other people, right? We uh, invite somebody over for dinner, and we stick it on the calendar 13 weeks out because that's the first opening that we had, right? <laughs> and the week up to hosting is stressful because you forget about it until Wednesday, and then they're coming on Friday. And so you clean the house for two days, right? You give the kids the pep talk, you sweep everything else into the basement, and you say, all right, we're doing this. We're hosting people. 
But this isn't what we see in the life of Jesus, right? This isn't what we see in the life of Jesus. Because there's two parties in hospitality. There is the host and there is the guest. And Jesus plays both roles throughout his earthly ministry. At times, he is hosting, right? You could think of Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? Hosting a big old group of people. You could think of the wedding at Cana, right? Jesus played the role of host in that moment. But as many times, if not more, Jesus fills this role of guest in the transaction of hospitality. Jesus is a guest more often than not. And this aspect of creating space and being hospitable, I think is a harder one for us. I know it's a harder one for me, right? I would rather be the host than be the guest. I want people to see that I have my life together, right? That I've got things together, that my casserole is fantastic. I want people to know that my life is good, right? I want to be the host. I think oftentimes in my life, it's a a matter of pride, right? I don't want to be a guest. I don't want to have to be taken care of. But this is a biblical theology of hospitality, right? This is a way that we receive grace from the community that is the church. If you are only ever hosting, or if you are only ever guest, you are missing out on the other grace that is community of host and guest, right? How are you both? How are you both? And maybe one last note on Jesus as a guest. Can you imagine the kind of guest that Jesus would be at your dinner party, in your house, at your barbecue? I think he'd be a pretty good one. Yeah? Good conversation. He'd probably be pretty good about asking questions about you. Loves the kids, playing with them, maybe sitting at the tiny little chairs, right? Hanging out with them. What kind of guest would Jesus be and what kind of guest are you? What kind of guest are you when you are invited into somebody else's life? We are guests and we are hosts. But this is one way that we can create space for other people in our lives is by being a guest. The last thing that we see in Luke 19 and the life of Jesus is the purpose of hospitality or the purpose of creating space in Jesus' life, right? Jesus was not this uh, globe-trotting celebrity on a yacht creating space for people like, come join my party, right? He was, it was more than that. He was intentional about the space that he created, Jesus created space because he was on mission. Because he was on mission. And we see his mission here in the last two verses, 9 and 10. And Jesus said to him, this is Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. And here it is. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus created space in his life to seek and to save the lost people that were around him. This is a good reminder for us, right? This is a good reminder for us because it gives purpose to the 90% ordinary days of our life. This gives purpose to the 4 p.m. Friday meetings that your boss calls, right? This gives purpose to the 8 a.m. classes that you signed up for and you're not 100% sure why you did it. This gives purpose to the ordinary things about our life. I am hospitable to others. I create space for others in the everyday stuff of life because there are lost people around me. 
There are lost people around me that Jesus loves. I remember hearing this story of uh, a woman asking her pastor for prayer. And after service, she comes up to her pastor and, and she asks him, Pastor, would you pr- please pray for me? My workplace is godless, right? I work at Nipsco. It's terrible. And you know what? I, I'm pretty sure I'm the only Christian here. Pastor, would you pray that more Christians would come into my workplace, that more Christians would be hired into my workplace? And the pastor thought about it for a moment. He looked at her and said, I won't pray for that. And the woman was shocked, right? Pastor, it's your job. Please pray for me. He said, I'm not going to pray for that for you. What I am going to pray is that you are intentional about reaching the people around you. I'm not going to pray that more Christians come into your workplace. I'm going to pray that you are intentional about making disciples in your workplace, right? That is the mission that we live on. It is not that I surround myself with Christian people. It is that I go out and I use my ordinary days to live on mission and make disciples. This is the mission that Jesus lived, and this is the mission that God calls us to live as well. C.S. Lewis says it like this. There are no ordinary people. You have never met a mere mortal. Right? And this gets to the idea that everybody that you have ever met, everybody that you have ever talked to, everybody that you work with is going to live forever. Is going to live forever. One place or another. When we remind ourselves that there are souls at stake, I think it can help us overcome maybe the hesitancy that we have sometimes making space for other, making space for the people we work with or the people that we study with. But every single one of them is going to live forever. And I know this for a fact that God is a God who has a plan and he has you there for a reason. God has you there for a reason. And so let's look at this a little more practically. What does it look like for us, practically, to create space for others where we work, where we learn, and where we play? This is what I want to spend the rest of our time looking at. What does it look like to be hospitable in these three contexts? So let's start with work. Let's start with work. How do we create space for others at work? Your job is a huge part of your life. Yes? 40 plus hours you spend every single week at your job. You, you probably spend more time with your coworkers than almost anybody else in your life. Some people spend more time with their coworkers than they do with their spouse. God has you at your workplace for a reason, and we need to be intentional about the time that we spend there, right? And what I don't want us to hear in this moment is, uh, you need to do more at work. That's not what I want you to hear, right? This is not do more things at work. This is be intentional about the interactions that you already have. This is be intentional about the things that you are already doing, This is be intentional about the the space that is already created. How do we use it and how do we leverage it to live on mission for Jesus? So what are some ways that we can create space for others at work? The first is this, by being an enjoyable coworker. By being an enjoyable coworker. What kind of person are you at work? Are you taking Jesus with you into your job. Remember, we learned that Christ goes with us. 
Christ goes with us. Are you taking Jesus into your workplace? Do you like working with other people? And more importantly, do people like working with you? We can think about this in the same way that we thought about Jesus being a host and a guest, right? Are you a good employee? Are you a good boss? We create space, one, by working hard and not leaving problems for other people to solve. We create space by being on time and doing honest work. By being an enjoyable coworker, people are going to want to be around you, right? People are going to say, I want to be in his truck today. People are going to say, I want to work on this project with her because I like being around them. We create space by being an enjoyable coworker. We also create space by knowing our coworkers. Jesus intentionally entered into Zacchaeus's life, and we should be intentional about knowing the people we work with. We spend so much time with the people that we work with, but do we really know them? Right? Do we really know them? And you might be thinking uh, there right now, you know what, Scott? I don't really want to know the people that I work with. <laughs> They're not that great. And, and I understand, right? I, I understand that. But the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus has you in your workplace for a reason. And the truth is, Jesus wants to know your coworkers. And so Jesus wants you to know your coworkers. Think about it like this, right? I'm not, I'm not asking... Uh, I'm not asking, like, everybody to hold hands and do, like, a kumbaya at the morning stand-up meeting. But if there was a, a coworker in your sphere that was struggling, or if there was a coworker in your sphere, better yet, that was uh, spiritually seeking God, would they even know to come to you? Would they know you as somebody who knows Jesus? Do you know your coworkers enough uh, to know them below the surface, right? To know them in, in, in a way that is more than just benefiting the financial black line, bottom line of the business. Do you know your coworkers? And you might be saying, okay, that's great, Scott. I want to get to know my coworkers, but you know what? I've been working with this guy for eight years, and I don't know his name. It's going to be way too awkward, right? And I say, yes, it will probably be a little bit awkward. But write the name down, right? Write the name down. And it doesn't have to be any more awkward than asking the question, how was your weekend, right? Where are you going to start? It doesn't have to be everybody, but engage somebody. Engage somebody. Know our coworkers. One very practical way that we can do this, that we can create space, is by eating with others. Is by eating with others. We see this all over in the life of Jesus. But if you work in an office, I was doing some research for this, there's an 83% chance that you eat Alone at your desk in 15 minutes or less. Is this anybody out there? Alone at your desk in 15 minutes or less. Yes. I love this because um, this is such a picture of what it's like to grow up and be an adult. When I talk to students, there is, there is almost nothing more terrifying for a student than walking into the lunchroom and having nobody else to sit with, right? You remember that like fear in high school? I don't know who I'm going to sit with, who am I going to talk to, people are going to think I'm weird. And then you get to be an adult, and you uh, are absolutely terrified that somebody is going to come down, sit next to you, and talk to you on your lunch, right? <laughs> You're like, give me 15 minutes. <laughs> Do not talk to me, right? This, though, this, though, I think is such an easy, such a practical way 
that we can get to know our coworkers by eating with them on their lunch or taking a break with them, right? How are you surrounding yourself with your coworkers? We can do this by eating with other people. And the last way I think that we can create space at work is by living peaceably. It's by living peaceably. In Romans 12, Paul writes about the, the marks of a true Christian. He writes about hospitality, writes about what it means to follow Christ. And verses 13 and verses 18 read like this. He says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And then characterizing this, he says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. As Christians, as Christians who are creating space and being hospitable, we are called to be peacemakers at work, right? If it is the right thing to do, we live peaceably. We don't sweep things under a rug. We don't break our integrity, but we don't incite division at work. We make space for others by being peacemakers, by being peacemakers. And so here's some ways that we can be uh, we can create space for others when we are at work. But I know that there are a lot of students in this room, and so I want to take some time to talk about what it means and how we can create space at school. How do we create space for others at school? Uh, so one of my favorite parts of the job is talking to students and engaging with them and helping them understand how you can take Jesus into the mission field that is your school. And if you are a student here, right, if you are in elementary school, if you are in middle school or high school or maybe in college, you have just as much opportunity to live on mission for Jesus Christ in your school as your parents do at their job. And so I want to give a few ways that you can practically create space for others at school as you dread its coming in three weeks so think like three weeks from now, <laughs> how am I going to create space for others at school? Here's one way. One way that you can create space is by welcoming the stranger. It's by welcoming the stranger. Jesus Christ walked into the city of Nazareth and was kind to a short nerd who was good with numbers, right? He welcomed a stranger. How are we taking this kind of mentality into our schools? I want you to think about, students, I want you to think about the last time that you were nervous to go somewhere. Like, there was, like, stress and there was butterflies in your stomach when you were going to a place. Like, you didn't maybe know somebody 100% or you were worried about what was going to happen at that place. I want you to think about that feeling that you had. And then I want you to think about a time that you got to a place like that and somebody welcomed you in and made the transition smooth. How grateful were you for that person? Now I want you to think about all of the people who maybe feel that way each and every morning before they go to school. How can you welcome a stranger at school and help them feel a little more wanted, a little more welcome, a little more loved where they are at? We don't have to be best friends with everybody, but it doesn't take anything for you to be kind and welcoming like Christ was. So we welcome the stranger at school. The second way that we create, can create space at school is by respecting authority. And I want us to think about this in the way that Jesus was a guest in Zacchaeus' home. Remember what kind of guest Jesus, Jesus was in Zacchaeus' home? What kind of guest are you in the classroom for your teachers, right? Your teachers spend countless hours and emotions uh, teaching you and educating you so that you can learn and be a productive 
uh, citizen in society, right? What kind of guest are you in their classroom? How are you creating space by respecting authority? Are your teachers um, glad to have you for the year when they see your name on the register? Or are they like, oh man, I got this one for the year, right? What kind of guests are you in a classroom? We can create space by respecting authority. And the last way I think we can create space, or that we're going to share this morning, in the places that we learn, is by remembering that you are at school for a reason. You are at school for a reason. There are a lot of ordinary, boring days at school. Just like there are a lot of ordinary, boring days at your parents' job. But Christ lived on mission in the everyday stuff of life, right? On the ordinary day, Jesus Christ looked out and knew that there were hurting and lost people who needed to hear about God. And when you think about going back to school, don't just see it as something that needs to get done, but see it as a building full of people who are lost and who need to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have an opportunity to love your neighbor by sharing Christ with them. So create space for others at school. The last place that I want to focus on this morning is creating space for others where we play, right? In these, these third places in our life, not our home, not our jobs, not school, but these places that we show up in our communities. There are a lot of different ways that we can create space for others in these places. And the first thing that I want us to consider is that we can create space for others where we play by taking out your headphones. <laughs> taking out your headphones, right? In a coffee shop or on the bike trail, we can't welcome strangers if we are always in an unapproachable bubble. And we all know that headphones are a great deterrent because I know for a fact that you have had headphones in your ears without any music playing just so that people won't talk to you, right? And it's really good. It's a really effective way. And what I'm not saying is that you need to be available and engageable every time that you are in public, right? That's not what I'm saying here. But if we are always in an unapproachable bubble with the people that we live around, we are never going to have the opportunity to engage them on mission, right? And so let's take a moment and maybe take our headphones out or whatever that means for you. We are, in, we, are, we are intentionally engageable. We are not always in this unapproachable bubble. Another way that we can create space where we play is by sitting next to other parents. By sitting next to other parents. Um, now, children's sports have a culture all their own. Um, and I have been to my fair share of middle school games. I've been to my fair share of of baseball games, little leagues, and I want you to think about all the time that you spend watching your kids play sports, right? After all those hours, after years on the same team, do you know any of the other families? Do you know any of the other parents? Or are you like, Scott, you don't understand, I can't sit next to them. They Cuss out the ref, right? And that's not the kind of people that I'm trying to like, it's not the Saturday afternoon that I want to have. But if we are always uh, uh, unintentionally disengaged, we're intentionally disengaged from the people that our kids play with, right? They are never going to have the opportunity. 
they might never have the opportunity to engage with the person of Jesus Christ. And so, yes, it might be more comfortable, more enjoyable to sit at the corner flag rather than with the rest of the parents, but do you know the other parents on the team? The last way that we can create space for others where we play is by being a good teammate. By being a good teammate. If you have spent any time on a field or on a court playing adult pickup, um, you have probably seen uh, a grown man throw a tantrum about a foul call that he didn't get, right? And this is, first off, the last thing that I want to do with my one open Tuesday night. Um, but secondly, this, is, this speaks volumes. What kind of testimony are you taking to these courts? Are you taking to these fields? Are you an enjoyable teammate? Are you creating space for others by being the kind of person that other people want to be around? And so these are three contexts that we spend so much of our life, our jobs, our schools, and the places that we play. And when Zacchaeus learned, when he heard that Jesus was coming to town, he had no idea how his life would change. But because Jesus was intentional about creating space in his life on an ordinary day for one man, you and I are going to meet Zacchaeus in heaven. Can we think about that for a moment? Because Jesus singled out Zacchaeus in the crowd, you and I, if you are in Christ, are going to live with Zacchaeus forever because he welcomed a stranger, because Jesus became a guest, and because he lived on mission, at least one person in that crowd found eternal life. And every day, every ordinary day, you and I have, some, uh, have an opportunity to do something extraordinary at work, at school, or at pickup, right? When we remember that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, when we remember what can be done through the everyday stuff of life, then we might be able to join with Jesus when he rejoices that salvation came to this house. We create space in our house. We create space in our lives so that those who come in might find life in the person of Jesus. Amen.